Um, hello, everybody, and Kia Ora. So this is our first webinar in uh, 2022, and it's great to be back. Uh, we have more than a thousand people registered for today's session, which is fantastic. Um, so welcome to you all, and thanks for joining us. So today we will talk uh, about the new guidance for public road managers and private sector organizations commissioning and undertaking road safety auditing. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together uh, with one of our presenters, Ken Beer. Ken will moderate the Q&A at the end uh, of the webinar. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. Uh, the project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Road Safety and Design Program, which is managed by Michael Newstick. So before I continue with housekeeping, uh, we wanted to invite you to participate uh, in an online survey uh, to help us shape the content uh, and the purpose of the Guide to Road Safety Part 2, Safe Roads. So you can see the link uh, to the survey provided in the slide, and I will also send it to everybody via the group chat a little bit later. So at the end of this presentation, we will mention another survey which relates to Part 6 of the guide. So that survey is different uh, and it will be open later. Right, housekeeping. So our presenters uh, today will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The guide and the slides for today's presentation can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. Um, to send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon uh, on that sidebar. If your question relates to any particular slide, uh, include the number of that slide in your message to help us answer your question as best as we can. Also let us know if you're experiencing any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, uh, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session via your email registration link usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, uh, you can also find Austroads in your podcast app. So our presenters today are Paul Hillier, Joseph Lee and Ken Beer. Paul Hillier is a principal uh, professional leader at the Australian Road Research Board. He has over 30 years of road industry experience uh, working in road network safety and risk management um, related disciplines. Joseph Lee manages the New South Wales uh, Safer Roads program. His team provides um, technical advice to improve the safety uh, the safety infrastructure of the state's road network. And Ken Beer uh, is a registered professional engineer, senior road safety auditor and uh, transport planner with uh, further qualifications in training and assessment. So during his career, Ken uh, has undertaken hundreds of audits and assessments on some of Australia's um, most uh, high profile and complex infrastructure projects. So we will first hear from Joseph, who will talk uh, about the team and project background, followed by Paul, who will speak uh, about the operating environment and the changes for policymakers, project sponsors and authorities. Then Ken will cover the changes for road safety auditors. And then Joseph uh, will conclude the presentation um, speaking about harmonization of audit processes and practice. And uh, on that note, I will hand over to Joseph. Thank you. So just with the uh, introduction to the team, um, if the next slide, please. Yeah. So this was a working group that uh, was really a collaborative effort across um, transport agencies in Australia and New Zealand. Um, you can see there, uh, I won't go through the full list, but you can see there the number of representatives that were available. Um, so definitely the jurisdictions that were represented were uh, Western Australia, South Australia, Queensland, New South Wales, uh, Victoria, uh, South Australia and New Zealand. Uh, myself as a project manager, I'm from uh, New South Wales, Transport for New South Wales, and we led this group uh, to, to review the, the current Austroads um, road safety audit guidance. 
I would also, I would also like to thank Adam and Chris uh, from their respective councils, providing input from a council perspective as well. Um, and at the later stage, when we go to the national project, um, we really want to get more council engagement. So if there's something that you represent a regional council on uh, or an urban council, uh, please reach out and, and we'd love to hear from you. So this group collectively, uh, we looked at the current um, Osroads guidance that was produced uh, uh, a little while ago. Uh, and we, this was the same working group that worked on that. So this is just a continuation of that process. Uh, next slide, please. Yeah, so as, as I mentioned, we consolidated the guidance that was in 6 and 6A. So uh, just a couple of legacy documents um, from, from quite a few years ago and the one we produced in uh, 2019, I believe. So this is now all combined in um, a road safety part six uh, that you'll see there. And it's gonna segue to a national harmonization project as well. So I'm gonna get to that a little bit later. I won't dwell on that at the moment, um, but essentially we wanted to provide a, the principles, uh, frameworks and defaults um, that would be applicable to all jurisdictions. Um, there are still components that require a, a local rules component, um, and, and I'll get to that shortly. So next slide, please. So one of the key aspects and, and one of the key items that the project uh, work group really worked through um, is really around the value of rosette auditing in the life cycle of, of a project. Um, now, if you look at the top row, uh, which is the road infrastructure life cycle. There are many iterations of this life, life cycle, uh, but essentially the, all, all the sort of key details are, are pretty consistent. So you can see road safety auditing there in blue uh, across the middle. And really what that's about is to demonstrate the value of road safety auditing in proactively uh, addressing road safety issues. So it's very different to what you see at the bottom in terms of crash investigations, treatments of crash locations, crash data analysis. Obviously, some of those can be inputs when we're doing a reset audit. But essentially, what we want to do is to engage with the auditing process and upskill that process in many ways so that we don't have to wait for crashes to occur uh, to, in order to, to prevent them. So that's a really critical requirement um, for us. And it's something that we want to um, enable a lot more, especially as a lot of the road agencies and, and the ones that were represented have very clear strategic targets of zero trauma on our roads by, by the certain dates, so mostly ranging between 2050 and 2056. So whilst that seems like a, a long time away, it's actually not, it's, it's 30 years. Um, and, and so we need to really get uh, a move on in terms of achieving those outcomes. So this project was really a, a key step in that direction. Um, I, won't, I won't go through this whole diagram, but uh, again, this is just an illustration that the road audit really comes in at the project development detailed design stage uh, and really is quite critical to, to mitigating those risks that might be realized before the road opens. Um, next slide, please. And on that note, I'm gonna hand over to Paul Hillier to just talk about some of the more specific aspects of the uh, new guide. Thanks, Joe. Um, just to just share my screen, just bear with me two seconds. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the operating environment uh, that uh, we sort of emerged at the start of this project and how we've incorporated a few basic principles into the guide, which I hope that people will embrace and uh, take things forward with, with road safety auditing. Um, the operating environment um, was developed by the working group. We discussed this, a number of sort of challenges and things which are out there in the space um, from procuring audits right the way through to being clients of audits um, and what we could learn and what are the areas that we felt were sort of maximize our efforts in providing some more guidance and improving. So I guess you could say this this slide here is in a, in a nutshell is, is what we've done to add value or optimize the guide itself. Um, the two guiding principles I mentioned, and these came out pretty early on in the process. So making sure that we optimise the outcomes from the audits, it was very much felt that there was plenty going on out there, but weren't necessarily getting the uh, the full value from the audits. So making sure that our findings and our recommendations are followed through, making sure the audits are, are done well, um, not just an item that's put up on the shelf, job done tick. Um, so that was one of our guiding principles. The second one as we were going through was, was a, a bit of an appetite for national harmonization and that was that was actually uh, very rewarding and a, a good part of the conversation because people were prepared to 
um, sort of throw away their, their, their real local uh, partisanship there and, and really look ahead to see what we could do to try and uh, sing off the same sheet and uh, where is where we could really um, harmonise things. And, and so this will be a common theme as we go through the presentation today. And Joe will talk about the Osroads project that's uh, just starting up now. You'll see on the right-hand side of the diagram that we've got three what I call strands there, uh, red, green, and purple. I'll just take a, a short stroll through each one of those. Um, this will give you an idea, as I said, about some of the things that we look to certainly improve. Um, and Joe, take on board uh, what he said at the very start, you know, raising raise the bar, raising the profession here, raising safety auditing, the process, and really giving it the, uh, the kudos that it deserves for the uh, importance of the particular task. So getting those better outcomes um, involve things like looking at the audit team structure, the independence of the auditor, um, their competency, their training, um, and two here which are more sort of involved in the process, so identifying the risks and hazards and how we uh, explain those and set those out. Often, let's not forget that we have a, a non-technical client we need to explain these things and then identify the mitigation measures. So how can we best do that in, in a language that people will understand that will um, express very clearly um, uh, the priority that things need to be done and the outcomes that people can uh, expect to justify some of these uh, uh, changes that we're expecting to designs. And then improving road safety audit reports. So again, with that non-technical client in mind, but also improving their quality, improving their format. Um, so making sure that they're, that they're, they're read, um, not just put up on the shelf, as I say, job done tick, that they're an important part of the project documentation and taken full account of. The next strand is unlocking those benefits. Yes, you know, why, why are we investing the money in road safety auditing? We're all bought into and convinced that there is a role for auditing and, the, and some of the benefits that it will bring, but how can we unlock those benefits? And we certainly saw uh, the importance of a road safety strategy and policy in that. So for not just our state road agencies, but down to local uh, road agency level. Understanding the objectives of auditing, um, the different stages, different phases there, what can be achieved, what can be achieved through audits, what's typically being done, and the roles and the responsibilities of the various players in the process. So really clarifying those uh, within the guide. Uh, the middle one is a, a very much an area where we think perhaps may need a little bit more work in the future. Um, road safety auditing of private projects um, and possibly also in the rural remote areas as well. Um, the first one in particular when um, some discussion about road safety audits not being done um, and infrastructure ultimately uh, being taken into the local uh, the road authority stock. Um, so how do we make sure, how can we impress upon people to get the road safety audits done in private projects? How can we get the road safety message into the design as soon as we possibly can, the input from our road safety professionals as early as we can? The importance of responding to the audits, making sure as we say they're closing the loop, I'll come back to this a little bit more in a moment, but making sure we learn what we can from the road safety audits, not just on a local level, but on a national and an industry profession level as well. So I'm particularly picking some of these things up early, you know, can we introduce a, uh, an interim design with something which goes out across the industry uh, in response to something which we're seeing often in road safety audits. The final one is sort of coping with the involving road environment. The project started, um, COVID sort of came into to swing. We had to unfortunately revert to uh, uh, tele meetings and, and various things and one of the things that became very much apparent was the uh, increase in the number of things like pop-up cycleways and footways which are emerging you know movement in place uh, driving a lot of that but uh, also this sort of tactical urbanism as people are calling it um, more vulnerable road users out on the streets so how are we coping with the changing environment how are we going to uh, apply our safe system principles how are we going to ensure safe road environments with this emerging changing road environment future developments in safety as well alternated and uh, connected vehicles how are we going to or are we going to be ready how are we going to prepare ourselves to audit some of the new uh, layouts and uh, new uh, environments that we're going to face so those are the uh, three strands, and hopefully you'll see through the document there, 
be made sort of fairly obvious and fairly clear um, and hopefully people will see a great deal of value in doing it in that sort of regimented sort of way. The next bit of my presentation, I've just been asked to have a look and, and, and sort of highlight what's changed for, for policymakers, project sponsors and authorities as a result of the guide. So just a bit of a summary here. It's not the, uh, the sort of full picture, if you like. Um, the first one is looking at road safety audits and having a policy. Um, not, uh, or, or certainly focusing on where the road agencies decline, but not saying it's the sole domain of the state uh, road agency. So looking at uh, uh, encouraging the development of a local policy, um, and in order to do that, we've provided examples as appendices in the guide. So not again, not just for state level road agency, also for the local road agency to pick up. Um, and not be too daunted by that. You know, there's lots of things, good good things going on, and people might necessarily think that they go together to form that uh, policy. And making sure they're documented, and as I mentioned in the slide here, it's that mechanism for getting things done, getting audits done. So what's going to be audited? When's it going to be audited? How? All these sort of key questions. And as I alluded to earlier, we're really um, sort of put some energy and uh, highlighted the need for some more work to go ahead in terms of private sector uh, project audits. So making sure that these are done. What what can we do uh, currently um, to encourage these, to make sure that they're taking place, to make sure they're being followed through? Um, so getting that road safety knowledge in as early as possibly can. Um, and would could there be perhaps some OSRO's guidance needed along the lines of, uh, recently issued OSRO's guidance with respect to traffic modelling, for example, or temporary traffic management, where there, there's a bit of a guide for people that are commissioning these uh, things, and obviously in this case, road safety audits. So that's an important part. Um, as I say, the case studies provided there, have a look at them and see what you think. We also came across the idea of, of having a sort of a formal exemption process and the necessity of that so if you have something that's determined in your local policy or is determined by the OSROADS guide, to move towards um, exemptions being formally justified and signed off. So they must have a rationale behind them. Why are we moving away from something which has been uh, determined with, you know, obviously with the best of principles and the best of intent? So what we're looking to do here, the idea of this graphic here is a bit of a timeline, starting at the top there from perhaps where we are at the moment. So we're certainly encouraging some harmonization on the principles within the guide. Um, people may have an element of the local strategy and probably will have that to some extent. And then um, due to various difficulties or, or perhaps restrictions or challenges, we will have some exemptions. We're, we're conscious of the fact that that's out there. And indeed, I'll talk about some situations in a moment where that is the case. So looking from to moving from that hybrid to over time, um, with further support from the, uh, the from the Osro's guides, etc., to really focus in on that harmonisation wherever we can, um, and then have the local strategy there, which is followed through. So we don't have the situation where we're having lots of exemptions from the from the local strategy, and then ultimately moving through where. You know, some years down the track where we can lead people down to that harmonization on the Osro's guide principles and Joe will talk about that as we go on. The exemption process, um, official exemptions obviously as, as a number of you are aware particularly as, as clients that if you set a policy um, you obviously need to do that and need to follow that through. There's some obviously some legal liability issues concerned with that um, and these is, will remain also with, perfect, with respect to auditing as well as uh, other sort of legal principles. So it is a significant thing. Um, don't just think we can sort of ride roughshod over a policy. It needs to have formal justification and sign off if we're moving away from that. And there's quite a strong section within the guide on, on this particular aspect. Closing the loop, reacting to findings, yes. So, you know, what in, in simple terms, what's the point in doing an audit, expanding out all the time, the money, if it's not going to be followed? If the findings and recommendations aren't understood, or there's just a, you know, a, a, the door slammed in the face of the audit and things aren't followed through, you know, thank you, job done, tick, we've done the audit. Um, and what can we do to break that down? You know, can we um, stop that approach? What will we need in the future um, to support getting audits done, 
closing the loop on the audits, getting um, often un unfound things out there in the industry. Rapid communication of emerging issues I, I mentioned, which I, I think is a really, really important one for the future. Independence of auditors. Now, I think uh, I mentioned perhaps, you know, anecdotally, maybe challenged on this, but I think that the true traditional model of having a truly independent auditor from the designer has often been put up as a bit of a, a barrier to doing an audit. You know, we can't quite provide that independence. We can't get an auditor. Um, so let's not do the audit. So what we've done within the guide um, is we've talked about the controls that people might want to put in place or have do get put in place so that auditors can come from the same organization recognizing the fact that certainly within our larger organizations and the larger road agencies that will be the case so looking at that um, but also looking at ways of helping particularly with our local government colleagues in remote areas so we know there's a number of issues there with the cost of availability of auditors etc um, so what we've proposed within the guide, there's a whole section in there about a the importance of having a strategy so that people are aware of what they need to achieve. We're talking about the type and complexity of projects. Um, is there any alternatives to audits in the short term and then develop an action plan that we can um, develop over the time to make sure that we do have the audit resources. So can we um, do something slightly different, a road safety review, peer review of, of designs um, has been suggested as perhaps a short-term measure, a cross-border cooperation, and some other things which we've seen which are, are working well in New Zealand and, and SORSA is the, uh, the body in the UK, you know, talks about local government response um, on that. So giving people some options, but also recognising that there needs to be controls there. It's not an area where we can just put up a barrier and say we're not doing an audit. Um, just because they're challenges or their issues. Okay, um, just quickly remind you to keep the questions coming in as we're presenting. I'm going to hand over to Ken now. Uh, so keep those questions coming in, just a reminder of how you might do that during the process. So thanks, Ken. Thanks, Paul. Uh, and hopefully you can see my screen now. So Paul's done a really good job there of, uh, of explaining what some of the changes are for road authorities, project sponsors, those commissioning road safety audits. So I want to jump in at the auditor end and really go through some of the specific changes for road safety auditors. And I know we've got many road safety auditors uh, on, this, um, on this webinar. So I'm going to start with the risk matrix. And we've already had some questions come in uh, associated with the new risk matrix. Uh, and I'm gonna go through this uh, sort of one step at a time. I know many of you had frustrations with the previous risk matrix for a number of reasons, um, as, as I did. And so we've managed to make some alterations. The first thing you'll notice is it's now a five by five matrix, which, uh, it's sort of more in line with common risk assessment matrices. Um, and so the other one uh, with that four by four was quite odd and some of the, um, even some of the years were missing in that. But we do still retain the uh, likelihood and severity um, as our sides of the matrix. You'll see there in the likelihood that it's got exposure built in to the likelihood. Now that's the traditional way that risk assessments are done. Uh, many of you who are now getting into safe system assessing will know that that's extracted out as its own entity. Um, so we do exposure, then likelihood, then severity. Uh, but for the road safety audit, it was decided to keep that in there to, I suppose, be more consistent with wider risk assessment methodologies. Uh, so those receiving these reports can see something they're quite familiar with. It still allows for the um, exposure uh, in, in developing that understanding of likelihood, uh, but it's just the likelihood and severity. Uh, you'll see there that embedded in the new risk matrix, we've still got the level of severity uh, and the likelihood uh, in terms of the words, but within that you can see some indication of what, what level of injury are we talking about for that severity? Uh, and what frequency would we expect the crash that we've um, we've predicted to be occurring. Now, 
I want to make it clear that we shouldn't be looking at the crash history uh, to determine that likelihood because the road safety audit is for an altered scheme. Uh, and yeah, so it's not about crash history, it's about you predicting the future crashes and what frequency they would be occurring. Uh, and then, you know, we go through the usual process of identifying then the risk based on the severity and the likelihood. And there's a couple of other little things here which are quite important. Uh, you'll see here this line, uh, this line uh, which denotes serious and fatal to the right of it in the severity uh, and moderate, minor and insignificant uh, property damage to the left. Now you'll remember that the SAFE system has a real focus on the elimination of fatal and serious injury crashes on our road network. Uh, and this line then helps us to guide what, what are the risks out there that are in the high severity, serious injury and fatal outcomes, as opposed to ones that are more minor that might occur a bit more frequently. So you can see there that you can get a high risk from a minor uh, crash that's almost certain, so one per quarter, uh, but you can also get a, a high risk from say unlikely, so predicting it's one uh, three to seven years, uh, but in the serious injury category. Uh, and so that's an indication they're both deemed as high risk, but one's got this little extra FSI. So denoting fatal serious injury outcomes expected, or it might be KSI if you're in a jurisdiction that, that uh, would say KSI. Um, and that's just another flag that this is in our fatal serious injury range and we're really uh, noting that um, as not aligning with our safe system principles. We don't want these uh, on, the, on the network and we should be still continuing to work to, to remove those uh, and it is designated as high risk. Uh, this is just one flag for us. So there Within this, we then get some uh, further guidance around some crash severities. Now, there is a lot of work happening in Australia, New Zealand and around the world on uh, sort of better information about the severity of outcome of crashes in different scenarios with different road users. So this is sort of provided as a very generic bit of a guide, but especially helpful for people new to uh, the idea of kinetic energy and crashes, that they can get a little bit of an indication of a crash uh, type. So it might be cyclist versus car and the speeds that uh, these crashes are happening and the severity one might expect out of this. They are very generic uh, and you need to obviously think about this. Also, I mean, one question already came in about uh, some other crash types that people would be interested in. So we're not, we don't have all the crash types um, and, and you can see it's a graded uh, shaded scale here because there's so many scenarios around there that would alter things, but it gives you an indication. So that's, uh, that's another useful thing. And it would be expected that the aud that auditors are now really refining their severity using these uh, sorts of techniques and uh, the most uh, you know, recent guidance that is continually coming out through research. So the, I suppose, old model of road safety auditing was to identify the, uh, the hazard or the risk that you're predicting will, will cause crashes in the future, assess this, the magnitude of that risk, uh, and then make recommendations. Uh, in, under the new part six uh, and integrating more sort of safe system thinking into this, we're still identifying the risks uh, and we're still assessing those using a matrix. Uh, we are de designating the ones uh, that are uh, coming at their risk from a fatal serious injury perspective or from others by some sort of um, FSI, KSI notation around that risk rating. Uh, and that's where we're considering safe system tolerances. Which side of the line uh, in the risk matrix are we landing? And then we're still making recommendations here. Uh, and the recommendation, so Austroads is saying that recommendations are something the jurisdictions uh, 
should be going down. They're encouraging auditors to make recommendations, uh, but also some sort of way to indicate how well that recommendation aligns uh, with safe system principles using the technique that was developed um, in the safe system assessment methodology that's now being uh, integrated across uh, quite a few other things. And that's to categorise treatments or recommendations into these categories of primary or supporting. Uh, and so there is two levels, I suppose, of supporting. Uh, I know some jurisdictions just like to use one level of supporting, but we'll start with primary. So primary are our big ticket items that are really uh, seeing step changes uh, and the virtual elimination of death or serious injury out of that particular crash type. Uh, and so there you see road planning, design, management considerations that practically eliminate the potential of fatal and serious injury occurring in association with the foreseeable crash. So if you're an auditor and you're out there and you're, you're looking at a site and perhaps there's a site distance constraint at an intersection, it's a high speed uh, through road, uh, and your recommendation is to do something that reduces the speed of the vehicles through, um, down, below uh, kinetic energy levels that will cause death and serious injury. Uh, we, we're sort of seeing those sorts of things as primary. But if you were to suggest um, removing the site impediments, uh, the site line impediments, which is an absolutely fantastic recommendation uh, and, and very, very good, that is a supporting treatment. Even though we've eliminated the thing that is you know, stopping people seeing, we know that the intersection still carries that um, high energy and that mistakes will still be made. Uh, so we are looking uh, then at designating the removal of those sightline impediments as a supporting treatment because we know it's a good road safety thing to do. It's road planning design management considerations that improve the overall level of safety associated with a foreseeable crash type. Um, but not expected to virtually eliminate the potential for fatal serious injury crashes occurring. Okay, so yes, we've removed that impediment, but we haven't elim you know, virtually eliminated death and serious injury at that intersection. We're still uh, going to have humans making mistakes and the energy is just too high to survive. Yes, the frequency of that will be much lower because the sightline impediment has been removed, but we also want the auditors to really thinking, are there things we can do that align with that primary safe system treatment. Uh, so the step towards there is the same as that supporting, but it um, has something in it to facilitate potentially moving up this ladder one to a primary. Classic example would be a wide centerline uh, treatment on a road. Uh, so we know that that is a supporting treatment because it lessens the likelihood of a crash occurring. However, we know people still do make it across those wide center lines, have head-on crashes, have runoff road to the right, crashes of high severity, all right? But the wide center line may give us the ability to put a central barrier system down there in an easier fashion in the future. So it's kind of a step towards that primary treatment, which we know would be that central barrier system, which for that particular crash type with those vehicles, we know will virtually eliminate death and serious injury. Non-safe system treatments is uh, put into this table in the guide primarily for terminology purposes uh, because we wouldn't want road safety auditors to be putting non-safe system recommendations in there so it's more terminology and that's anything we know that will go the other way which will actually uh, increase risk uh, or uh, something that is seriously hampering the ability for a primary treatment to go in in the future. So that's, uh, that's the, the sort of critical thing that we, when we make recommendations as auditors now, we want to be categorising them uh, into one of these categories. Uh, we want to be designating whether this is to the right of the line in the risk matrix, uh, as in the fatal serious injury, or whether it's to the, to the left, uh, and utilising this new uh, risk matrix. So let me run through very quickly an, uh, a worked example. And I think that's, that's a really nice way for people to understand it. I'm not going to go through the details specific, but you'll see 
uh, an audit finding table here. Now this is straight out of the new guide, used as an example. Don't worry about reading the specific words in it. Uh, but you'll see here that there's a column there with the um, audit finding, uh, as we've always had. But what we've done is uh, sort of clarified this, that a, a good audit finding should really identify and uh, articulate that issue. Then it should clearly articulate the crash type that uh, is being predicted. So that's in yellow. Then what are the factors of that road environment that might be increasing the risk? Uh, and it could be things like at night, this will be particularly bad for these particular reasons, or the speed of this road is particularly, uh, the operating speeds are particularly high. And then the green would be any standards and guidelines if applicable. Now I stress if applicable, because we absolutely have continued the theme that road safety audits are not a check against standards or guidelines. They're looking at what may uh, result in death or serious injury uh, or other injury for users of the road in the future, regardless of whether it meets or does not meet standards. Now standards and guidelines are a good thing to know uh, and to understand where, how they've been developed and, and, and the particulars of them. Uh, but just because something meets standards does not mean uh, that there's not a risk there to death, of death and serious injury to the travelling public. Uh, and, and likewise, uh, you know, we, we, we just, you know, we may meet standards and guidelines and there's still risk. We may not meet standards and guidelines uh, and we feel the risk is very low or it may not meet standards and guidelines and we think there is a risk there. So we're continuing that theme, but it's only needed to be put in the finding if it's applicable. Uh, next, you see the risk rating, which you're using the matrix uh, and some sort of designation of which side of the line it is. And so within, within this matrix, it says uh, down the bottom there, we've got medium risk uh, within the safe system. So that'll be saying it's to the left of the line there. Uh, and within the recommendations, uh, some sort of denoting of primary supporting treatments. Now in the um, uh, safe system assessment matrix document from Ostroads, uh, you can find uh, examples of treatments that fit into these categories if you're trying to get your head around this. And certainly as I train lots of uh, people coming into the auditing profession, uh, that's one of the things they, they struggle with most is getting their head around this primary supporting. So I suggest having a look at that document as well. A few other things uh, that are in the guide now for an auditor's perspective uh, is some specific guidance around these thematic road safety audits. So a pedestrian audit, a cyclist audit, motorcyclist audit, there's an actual guidance in what you would do in this process, what would be different from a normal road safety audit, um, the fact that you know we would consider all of these road users in every road safety audit, so why is this one specifically got that lens on it and, and what might you do different? So there's fact sheets at the end that you'll, uh, you'll see that deal with this. The prompt lists, formerly known as checklists, uh, and that actually that's a really important I suppose terminology change. Checklists gave the impression that if you followed that and went through every one of those questions, everything has been covered. Uh, and it's certainly not the case. Uh, those were there as, as thought starters. So they were prompting ideas. And so they've been renamed to prompt lists. Uh, and uh, these have been updated, as Paul said, with lots of new stuff around um, intelligent transport systems, uh, you know, vehicles of the future, uh, lots more stuff around pedestrians, cyclists and motorcyclists. Uh, we've also included these front loading questions, uh, which are gathering a little bit of context around the project. Uh, and you'll see just some uh, slight formatting alterations now. The prompt lists are in their own column, uh, and that was just trying to minimise double up and uh, keep, uh, you know, if you've got similar questions across uh, the different stages of audit, uh, they all align there. 
There's new case studies uh, and examples at the end of the document, uh, and those are always useful, especially again for people new into this space to get an idea of what findings are, what sort of common issues we might see out there. But again, only covers a small uh, amount of things that auditors would be looking at. There's some altered, uh, I suppose, relaxed requirements for nighttime inspection as part of feasibility stage road safety auditing. Uh, and that's, I suppose, recognition that um, there hasn't been great value in the past uh, for quite a few of these audits. I'm sure some of my auditing colleagues out there on this would have sort of stood in a paddock uh, in the middle of the night, scratching their head, uh, wondering what value this is really adding to the audit process. Um, so it's not saying that, you know, in particular audits, it may, it may, it may or may not provide value, but there is a bit of easing on that, that requirement. Um, there's some clarity around what a traffic management or a construction site road safety audit actually is, as opposed to a compliance check uh, or a surveillance check. So we wanted to be really clear on this, that traffic management construction site road safety audits provide huge value uh, to the safety of workers and the travelling public through these construction sites but we wanted to make sure that they are genuine road safety audits. And it's not a surveillance check uh, against the code and the, uh, you know, has the traffic guidance scheme been laid out exactly as the, the, the guidance scheme on the, on the page, you know, the bollard space the right way and those sorts of things. That may be part of it, but a road safety audit is so much bigger than that. And this was trying to address a bit of an emerging trend or we're getting information out there that was that there was a bit of sort of a uh, quick tick of compliance with the code uh, on traffic management uh, schemes uh, and that was being called a road safety audit. Well, we want the order to think about the tie-in of the uh, construction site with the surrounding environment, any detour routes, and are we moving traffic into uh, more dangerous areas, how people are going to access different properties and those uh, sorts of things, things that are very unique to that site. And we know there's a lot of wonderful traffic management, construction site, road safety auditing going on, on out there that is aligned with the, the core principles of what it's been trying to be achieved. So this is just recognition that we want that sort of stuff being cold road safety audits in that and not that sort of quick tick box uh, compliance with the code. The uh, last thing I'll sort of cover here before we jump into the many questions I can see coming in uh, here, which is which is wonderful, uh, is that the Austroads has now sort of set um, three levels of road safety auditor. Now, each jurisdiction is going to have to decide uh, whether they adopt this. Uh, and Joseph's about to talk to you a little bit about an Austroads project that's looking to harmonise some of this accreditation and the like. But Austroads has set this as a bit of a mould where you can see there that, there that there is a category called a trainee road safety auditor. Uh, and we've got an auditor uh, and then senior auditor. Now, team leader is not a specific category of road safety, criteria of road safety auditor here. Sorry, um, category of road safety auditor here. They um, would be a senior road safety auditor that is given the responsibility of team leader for that particular audit. So they're given that hat for that audit and they are a senior auditor. And you can see there that Austroads has now sort of put forward some specific um, criteria for uh, maintaining that level or progressing to the next stage. So that's, um, you know, that's exciting and we hope that the jurisdictions are going to get on board with this. Hopefully we harmonise it all, uh, but hopefully jurisdictions will be taking some of this on. And you can see there, there's a bit more intense requirements uh, under some of these levels to get up to a senior auditor for some jurisdictions. Then there's information in there around competency requirements for road safety auditors. Uh, and this is a real acknowledgement that you don't build competency as a road safety auditor simply from doing a, 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 a few days of road safety audit training where you get to understand the process of auditing and the like. It is a very complex uh, and big thing to build those skills, experience, knowledge and attitude. And those are seen as the competency requirements. So you can see there another matrix which uh, helps to show that we, 
can see skills are being built from uh, undertaking audits, being involved in them, observing them, having uh, mentoring, uh, peer reviews, and you see the, uh, the same for experience, uh, knowledge, uh, and then attitude uh, as well. So really, you know, it's talking about rounding auditors uh, in the profession uh, rather than uh, simply just having them complete a, a course, which really is just about the process of auditing. Uh, and then expecting them to be able to sort of uh, be competent auditors. No, it's it's an ongoing process of learning, developing skills, uh, gaining experience, developing knowledge, and having that right attitude of an auditor. So what I'll do now is hand over to Joe that can take you through uh, the current project of harmonisation of road safety audits, and then we'll dive into some of the many, many questions I've seen coming in. And, Fortunately, we're not going to get to them all, uh, but uh, we'll try to get through, through as many as we can. Over to you, Joe. Thanks very much, Ken. Um, next slide, please. So uh, I've only got a single slide in this presentation, um, and, and this is uh, sort of a natural evolution, if you will, of the, the findings of the working group as we progress through these projects. But essentially, the, the National Road Safety Auditing Project, um, uh, that's a continuation, is about harmonization. I guess, one of the key themes as well is that a lot of the jurisdictions and transport representatives such as myself are grappling with similar issues uh, on the key themes here uh, and, and so there's a project underway in to basically scope what national harmonization might look like so i want to be really clear and upfront about a couple of things firstly is that this project in no way will um will involve implementation at this point in time. It's just a series of recommendations about how and what the options are might be for OSROADS and for the road jurisdictions to uh, harmonize each of these themes. So I'll get to those in a moment, um, but really, yeah, really, really wanna be clear that it's not about implementation at this point in time. Uh, so what will be an outcome will be a, um, a series of recommendations and um, uh, why you haven't heard anything about it is because we're just literally about to commence um, that uh, industry engagement piece. So I just wanted to flag that uh, all of the people uh, who are attending um, this webinar, uh, you'll be contacted very shortly with a survey um, just to help us understand the, the industry dynamics at the moment about um, potential harmonization. So that will be coming. Uh, please be on the lookout for that. And if you want to contribute to the project, that's absolutely your chance. Um, but otherwise, yeah, at this point in time, what we really want to understand is what are the options that Osros and the road authorities have with harmonization. Um, I'll, I'll be quick about this just so we can get to some of those questions. Um, but these are the five key themes. We want to talk about training. What does that look like? What training needs to be done for each level? Um, and that really blends into to sort of accreditation, uh, which is what do we accept as the minimum requirements for each level of reset to auditor? So we can see that the Osroads guide now that Ken just mentioned uh, really helps us step to that path. That's sort of an, an agreed uh, accreditation framework, if you will. The next step is really about how making it happen and, and how we get um, how we get the, the outcome to be consistent. So essentially the theme for us is that if we have someone who's accredited uh, at the moment, say New South Wales, where we're from, and they would like to work in Queensland or, or anywhere else, uh, they still have to go through, that person still has to go through separate uh, accreditation and registration systems. And so we want to make that consistent so that if you uh, are approved to be an auditor in one state, you're basically approved across Australia and New Zealand. So obviously something like that is, is quite complex, um, needs a lot of negotiation, needs a lot of understanding about what works now, what doesn't. Uh, and, and we accept that it's a significant change piece as well. So there will be components which will be difficult for some people and there will be other components that that basically um, you know should just go ahead and, and make sense so we do want to take on uh, training uh, what does that look like for each level um, and entry into the system accreditation as well so um, like I said I think I think we've done a lot of that work already registration what is our what is our what is a potential national database and registration system going to look like uh, for reset the auditors uh, as well and, and project managers uh, CPD, Continual Professional Development. Again, uh, over the last few years, Osroads has produced a lot of new learnings um, and consistently we haven't seen that sort of translate into industry. So there's a real big piece that we need to take on in order to embed those learnings into sort of everyday practice of auditing. 
Uh, and last, uh, last but not least, um, is assessment. Uh, how do we, as road authorities, and how do we, as um, to industry, assure that the assessments are done, you know, um, in the same way? And what does that now look like if we're doing it from a national perspective? So um, each jurisdiction has its own assessment protocol, and, and we're looking to to bring that all together. So that's the that's the harmonization project in a nutshell. Um, uh, it's a, quite a bit more complex than that. Uh, and yeah, just please be on the lookout for that survey. Um, that, that's the other slide we have. So Ken, uh, if there are any questions about this project that you've sort of been able to pick out on hand, I'm happy to answer them now. Uh, if not, Q&A more broadly. Thanks, Joe. And there are a huge amount of questions and we won't get through them all, but we will be uh, responding to those uh, in, in a written form uh, as we go, but I'll jump into it. I mean, there, there was one around uh, some questions about the progression of an auditor up this um, ch um, ladder of accreditation. I suppose that's something that, that this project is dealing with and will play out. That's, yeah, that's absolutely intense. So we, we do want to make the rules sort of very clear um, and the guidance out there very clear. So again, we're, we're scoping the recommendations uh, and we'll put that forward to Osroads and the road jurisdictions at a later point in time. So right now, BAU across the country and across New Zealand, uh, but that's that's something to look forward to, yeah. Great. Thanks, thanks, Joe. Um, I'm going to jump into a few uh, questions here. Uh, one I'll just knock off quickly was around the uh, the risk, sorry, the severity levels for crash types, uh, and just a question around is that combined vehicle speed or uh, individual vehicle speed. We, we would call it bullet vehicle speed, the speed of the vehicle doing the damage. So at a side impact crash at an intersection, it's the vehicle uh, doing the damage of that crash that you're predicting. Um, the If two vehicles are closing uh, in on each other, we're sort of, we're not taking the combined vehicle speed, we take the individual vehicle speed because a, a vehicle coming in at 70 kilometers an hour, uh, colliding with another vehicle at 70 kilometers an hour, same mass, um, we see the occupant of that vehicle goes from 70 kilometres an hour down to zero, so it's sort of 70 kilometre per hour style crash. And it's also, we're talking about the delta V, the change in velocity. So if we have speed, you know, an acceleration and a vehicle up at speed already, uh, striking another vehicle at speed, it's the change in speed we're seeing, that deceleration or the delta V. Uh, so that's just clarifying that. Paul, I might jump in with a question to you, if that's okay. And it's around um, advice for local governments uh, developing road safety uh, policies or, or I suppose strategies, but policies on what they will uh, undertake as a, uh, a road safety audit for maybe developers or their own internal work and what magnitude of project is not appropriate and those sorts of things. So perhaps you can yep. um, give yep. us a little commentary uh, very, around that. Very happy to take that. I mean, I'll... I'll... Uh, point people towards the case study in the in the back of the uh, the guidance it is, but I, I I think it sort of leads back to the statement I made. There's probably a lot more going on than than people think. So, you know, it sounds a bit daunting. You know, develop a strategy or a policy, but maybe just you know a, a whiteboard or a pad of paper, just actually you know jot down with colleagues exactly what you you're doing in these sort of areas. You know, with inspections and audits and, and various things. Um, you know, we've said it needs to be a road safety audit. Uh, policy, but it might be within a wider document, or you know, brings together elements of safe system assessment framework, etc. So, it, it's that key message, I think. So, someone could go in there and say, what is going to be done, what is going to be audited at certain stages, by who, what stages, um, and talking about uh, you know complexity and size of project. Not not always an easy one. I I, I do um, have some sympathy with that. You know, often people just look at a uh, dollar value as a as a proxy for risk, and and that one's you know has some pros and cons and various things. But um, I think it's just sort of working through there. There is some guidance within the uh, the Osprey's guide document, so um, you know don't don't be too alarmed by that. But I think it's just starting to jot down what people are doing within the organisations and making it formalising a little bit and how they're going to cope with the you know, availability of order to the question, are they going to link up with other councils? You know, all those sorts of things need to be part of that policy statement. Good, thanks, Paul. And I'll, I'll keep asking you questions if that's okay. Um, there's a 
there's been some questioning around this existing conditions road safety audit or sometimes called a road safety inspection, road safety review or road safety diagnostic. It's got sort of all these terms around the world. What's Austroads now position on these existing roads and somebody uh, casting the eyes over those roads to look for a road safety yeah. risk, not not necessarily a crash history investigation, but um, yeah, do you want to explain yeah, that a little so bit? Yeah, well, so, so being very clear is, 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 you know, similar way that you mentioned about the, the traffic management audit. So what that that uh, order of existing road is, you'll see that in the guide, there's a comprehensive table saying, you know, just setting that out, you know, what it is and what it isn't. So it's looking at the risks and hazards uh, on an existing road. Um, it's not uh, bringing into, as you said, mentioned in your presentation, the crash history there. Um, it's not that uh, road agency um, asset management inspection, as I, I, I sometimes put it, you know, people hear me speak about that, where it's looking at, you know, category one, two type defects um, leading into a maintenance contract, etc. It is that road safety audit um, in its purest form of an existing road and people might have a program together, you know, a network of roads that they're going to uh, do a formal audit of once every two years, three years, five years, whatever it may be, according to a local, local hierarchy of roads. So, really defining that, making sure that we're fully aware of what terms are going to be used within Australia and New Zealand and existing road audit is, is just one of those. Good, thank you. Uh, another question that's come in is around uh, road designers being uh, road safety auditors as well, uh, both around, you know, undertaking the audit practice on their own design, which is pretty clear in, in the current guidance and past guidance that you can't undertake the road safety audit on your own design, you can't be part of the audit team. Um, but, but around, I, I suppose, um, the value of design reviews uh, as opposed to road safety audits. Uh, could you speak to that, please, Paul? Yeah, um, and again, I guess, link, link back to the previous answer, being quite clear within the guide as to what um, you know, a QA check of a design is or a design uh, check is during a design process and what a what an audit uh, actually achieves at preliminary design detailed design etc through the through the chain um, so making sure that's understood um, we've talked about within the rural the guidance for rural and, and remote areas about some some uh, um, some checks if you like uh, where people might bring in um, officers uh, or, or from other jurisdictions or indeed people that are more senior in, within the organisation to do a, a sort of a peer review on the design. But um, we've got to be very careful that we, you know, we, we use the terminology and that's what I'm saying about sticking to the terminology that's in the guide as much as possible, understanding where we can actually call something a road safety audit because we get very confused at the moment and things can get very confused and things that are being signed off as one thing which really aren't um, which really aren't applicable or really aren't doing the job. So just making sure that's understood. Um, and But it was uh, just repeating as well that with something which is developed for remote and local uh, road agencies, making sure that there's an action plan to work towards the guide in time. Let's not have something which is put in as an interim, um, albeit for good intention, sitting there for two or three years as when it becomes common practice. Um, and often it's against what's said in the road safety strategy or the local road safety strategy that's been developed. Thanks, Paul. And I'd love to keep going through these questions, talking all afternoon uh, about this fascinating topic. Unfortunately, we're pretty much out of time. Um, as Ekaterina comes back to, to close it out, I will just clarify one more, which was talking about all these other tools emerging in road safety, uh, such as um, OSRAP uh, or NRRIT scoring or different uh, different mechanisms, how they link with road safety auditing. Well, they, they can provide wonderful insights to an auditor as to the magnitude of issues and uh, what the research is behind different uh, issues and the like. So I think these can complement each other well. Road safety auditing is wonderful because it utilises the experience of the auditors, the unique situations that are developed through the design and the existing conditions combining and combination of designs, which is very hard for a tool to just generate uh, those all these sort of scenarios. So that's where the audit is really providing huge value. But back to you, Ekaterina. 
Um, thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Ken and Joseph and Paul. Um, I was just saying that I'll quickly go through our future webinars. Um, the next session on the 15th of February might be of interest to you. So we will talk um, about proposed updates to the guide to road design um, relating to safe system, uh, the vulnerability of motorcycles uh, and specific heavy vehicle road design considerations. So as you can see on the slide, we have uh, a variety of sessions covering various topics. Um, for example, we have a webinar on the use of recycled glass and roads, a session on the benefits and costs uh, of infrastructure for automated driving, or a webinar on proposed signage for low and zero emission vehicles. So there is uh, there are lots of sessions. Uh, for more information on all of them and to register, please visit our website. Um, and as usual, uh, after we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session or what suggestions you have for future webinars. Once again, um, today's session is being recorded and we will let you know when uh, the recording is available on our website. So thanks again, uh, everyone. Stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day. We will see you next time.